I am, I'm Kurt. Glad to see you in the new year. Glad to be here. I'm not much of a resolutions guy. I don't make new resolutions in the new year normally, but around the new year time, I am prone to reflect a little bit on what has happened in the year prior, what I'm hoping to see in the year ahead, uh, praying for uh, my life, praying for other people's life. And if you were here with us last week, we had a moment to be able to do some of that reflecting. It was really great. So we had a time to pray for people near and far, to be able to bring our gratitude, our thanks to God, to to bring our prayers and our laments about the brokenness in the world and in our hearts that we brought to the cross. Actually, we left left that one up right now, some of the things that we brought there. We reflected on Scripture, and it made it even more rich that we were able to do that with our sister church, Nueva Esperanza. I thought that was a really moving and wonderful time to be together. But what has changed for us so far in 2024? And if we're real, we would say really just the calendar has changed since the year has started. But if you are somebody who actually wants something to be different this year, I I think uh, what we shouldn't aim for is just that the number on the scale in the bathroom would change. But really, we should ask the question, what does God want to be different in 2024 for me and for us? What does God want to be different? So it's one thing for us to come up with our own plans. It's another thing for us to be able to ask God, what should be different in this year? And the beautiful thing is the Bible actually talks about this. The Apostle Paul talked about some of his greatest longings. He says, I really want this thing. And as he did so, we can have hope that that word is also a word for us, that in ways that God wants us to be different this year. What God wants to be a part of your year, a part of my year in 2024, is he wants us to press on to win the prize. We're going to read the passage that talks about this and understand what it says. This is from the book of Philippians. It's a letter that Paul wrote to a church in Philippi, to this group of Christians in Philippians. It's in the New Testament. If you have a Bible, you can flip through, use the table of contents to find it, or in your app, you can find that, or we're also going to put it up on the screen. Philippians 3, and we'll read from verses 10 to 16. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Let's invite the Lord to to teach our hearts. We ask you, triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, to teach our hearts today. We know that you are here, and we ask you to guide our thoughts in a a distracted world to to think on you for a moment. Will you teach us and, and 
Help us to be courageous enough to see things and, and lean on you and depend on you for this year ahead to go where you want us to go. We pray in your name. Amen. All right, I think that this passage is a great way to start off 2024 because in 2024, God wants you to press on to win the prize. So we're going to talk about those two things. We're going to press on and we're going to win the prize. Okay, first point, let's press on. If, we, if we're faithfully communicating what the Christian life looks like and we're proclaiming what that actually looks like, it always includes us saying, hey, you know what? We have already attained something. And yet we are supposed to work into that thing, to continue to faithfully pursue that thing. So you have it, but you're also supposed to pursue it. So we're supposed to put those things together. So that's exactly what Paul does in verse 16. He says, let us live up to what we have already attained. We have already attained it because our life in God is a gift from God. But we're called to live fully into that reality too. So it's something that we already have, but it's something that we're supposed to engage our wills with, to like use our energy, use our creativity to faithfully pursue. And, and this isn't really a strange concept to us. Uh, when somebody gets married, they are fully married from day one. They're committed to life together. They are one flesh. It's a done deal. But, so that's the done part, but you know that we need to work into living into that reality, to live fully into that reality, and it's a lot of hard work. Or, you know, I am my father's son. I, I ha that is something I have, and yet I need to live into that reality. What does it mean for me to be an honorable son to my father? That, that's a relationship that is built over years. So, in our passage, Paul mentions this solid connection that we have with God. He says, Christ Jesus took hold of me. That's in verse 12. But the main emphasis through the whole thing is this call for us to press on. Let's look at that verse 14 again. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, then Christ has already taken hold of you. But we also need to pursue that. That you and I, we need to press on in the faith. We need to move forward in a steady way to use our energy to try to advance. And when I hear that word press on, one of the images that I have, I think about, I think about a group hiking in the snow. A little easier for us to imagine today. It's a little cold. So I think of a group pressing on in the snow. Maybe it's windy. Maybe the wind is and the, and the snow is coming down. And you picture these people headed back toward their cabin or something. They say, we have to go forward. We need to press on. So you think of them fighting through that to move forward, to press on in the faith. And if we do that, we're going to be building on our faith. We are improving our faith, if you will. I remember... When I was in elementary school, I was on the baseball team. I was not a great baseball player. Uh, my, my third brother, uh, Ross, you know, he was a natural athlete. He could always do everything really well. I was not great at this. And I, I don't think, I don't remember if I got the award for most improved, but I probably could have. Because it didn't matter how much I improved, it was probably the most improved. And, and that, that award, if you win most improved, it's a little bit of a double-edged sword, right? Because if you're most improved, it means actually you really 
did advance. Like you really are in a new place. But also it means you probably weren't doing real great before and everybody noticed, right? So here's the thing. Everyone could see that Kurt needed improvement and I could have won that. But in the Christian life, I want to say there is no shame in us winning the prize or the award for most improved. Because we're talking about life with God. And with God, there is limitless potential for us to grow. You can always go farther in life with him. You can go further in. God is not a list of facts to be memorized. He's a person to be known. So life with God is actually an adventure. It's the adventure of life itself. It can't be perfected, so you can always go deeper in. There's always room to go deeper in the life of the Spirit, deeper in our application of the truth of Scripture, deeper in turning away from our life that we had before and and broken things in our lives, deeper in communion with God. And when you think about going deeper in, maybe, maybe for you, the simple step is you're going to say, hey, I, I would like to start attending faithfully to be a part of a church f- worship. Maybe for you to go deeper in is to, uh, to start to read the Bible and pray outside of church services. As a church in the new year, we're going to be going through the book of James, like what Jen talked about a minute ago. We're going to begin that next week. There's a study guide that goes along with that. If you're going to follow along with us, you would start the study after next week's sermon. If you started already, it's okay. It's fine. Uh, but the, it'll be this first sermon on James 1 will be uh, January 21st. But next week will be our kickoff introduction, and then we'll start small groups after that if you would like to be a part of that. That might be a really great way to grow, to follow along with us individually or in a group to do that. But here's the thing. All of us, all of us can go deeper in Christ. No matter where you begin on your journey this morning, any of us can be most improved. I think it would be really meaningful if at the end of the year, the pastor got the prize for being most improved because there's more room for me to grow. I grew so much, I felt like, in my my faith in this last year. And a lot of you were a part of that. You helped me to see new things and to grow. And, and, and Paul is saying that's actually supposed to be kind of the default way of thinking for every Christian. That's the basic way that every Christian is supposed to think. If you're going to be mature, that's the way that you should talk. That's the way pastors should think. That's the way every believer should think. Look at verse 15. He says, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if at some point you think differently, that too, will God will make clear to you. There's not another option like, hey, if I don't need to grow, that's going to be okay for me. And, and the view that he's talking about, he's saying the view is that we need to press on, to advance, to be most improved in 2024. So God wants you to press on. And, and so growing in the faith, that, that's definitely how we begin. But I want to say that's how we continue on into our faith life. It's it's the way that mature believers talk. And and conversely, let's turn that around. If we think that we have arrived, we're actually demonstrating a certain amount of immaturity. Spiritual immaturity is to say or act in a way like we don't have to learn anything. So wherever you are in your faith journey, What God is calling for you, God wants you to do, is to press on toward him. And this is going to bring me to my first question. 
What would it mean for you to press on in the faith this year? And right at this moment, I would love for you in your heart to ask the Holy Spirit, even as, we're, as, even as I'm talking, you can talk to God at the same time. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you what would be the next step for me in faith this year. Because God wants you to press on, and specifically to press on to win the prize. So that's my second point, to win the prize. What, what is this prize that Paul is talking about? What is this prize of life? And this isn't actually a peripheral question like, hey, I can just add this thing on. It goes back to our understanding really of kind of what's the basis of life or of faith for us. If I asked that question, some Christians would raise their hands pretty quickly and say, hey, you know, the idea is for us to go to heaven, to get to heaven. They would say, hey, you know what, we work hard and then God gives us this reward so that we can, we face all our hardships here so that we can have the reward of being with God in heaven and to rest there. And I want to say, you know, there's actually three little problems with that. Uh, the first issue is that if that is our view, if, if heaven is this reward for kind of being good, then it ends up being something like, like our wages for living a good life. And in that view of faith life, you know, you work at your work and they give you money and then you kind of like do some stuff for God and then God like gives you points in like his pension plan kind of, right? Like, hey, you know what, I'm, in, I'm fully vested in the pension plan, I got enough, God's gonna give it to me. But if you look, if you read some other time through the rest of Philippians 3, the first nine verses before we read this part, he actually is trying to dismantle that whole idea of the points. He's like, it's not about the points. He says, hey, you know what? That's the way I used to think too, but that's not how it is. He says, the points that I got before my life with Jesus, it's all a bunch of garbage. Let's read these couple of verses. Verse seven, but whatever gain, were gains to me, all my points, I now consider loss for the sake of the gospel. Of knowing Christ, as it said. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of Christ Jesus. Oh, sorry, I'm surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. One more thing. I, what's more, I consider them garbage. There it is. I consider them garbage. Actually, the word that Paul uses is a little bit stronger than garbage. Uh, the word in the King James Version, if you know this one from King James, is he says, I consider it all dung, is what he says in King James. So all this point stuff is just kind of a steaming pile. Okay? It's not important. I consider them worthless garbage that I may know, gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law or from following all the rules, right? But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. He says, it's not by points, it's by faith. It's about being found in Christ and having his righteousness on me, this righteousness that God has bestowed on me, not something that I earned where I can say, hey, that was my deal. I had a friend in France. I lived in France for a long time. I had a friend in France who used to say that one of the best indicators for if somebody really understood the Christian message of the gospel was to ask, when you stand before God, what are you going to say to, that he would let you in to heaven. 
And if we say anything about how good we were or anything about our own efforts, it means that we haven't actually understood. If that's, that's our plan is to stand before God and say, here's all the good stuff I did, then we haven't understood. The correct answer, all we can say is, because of what Christ did for me. Because of what Christ did for me. It's this righteousness from God that is bestowed on us because of faith, through faith. Why would he let you be with him? Just because of Christ. All right, that one was a little bit longer, but the second problem. So the first problem is it's not about points. Second problem is that when we're thinking about if, our, if heaven is just our goal, then we think about getting to heaven. Uh, it, if we're thinking about that, then we're, we, even just talking about getting to heaven, we're actually conceiving it wrongly, actually. The way that the Bible talks about what the next creation is, is as a new creation. God's going to remake the heavens and the earth, and his dwelling place is going to be among people. And actually, the image is not of us going up to heaven, but of heaven coming down to earth. And if you want to read more about that, read the last two chapters of Revelation to see that. It's a beautiful picture of God coming to dwell among us. And, and Connected to that, I will say thirdly, if we think our main goal, the main goal of life, if we think that is getting to heaven, I just want to tell you, it's way, way too easy for us to conceive of heaven without God. It's really easy to kind of, in our minds, connect it to be like some place of peace, some place where we are happy, but it's somehow disconnected from God. And you know, I know I've fallen into that at times. It's really easy for us to do that. We, we know that we are imagining heaven without God when the first things that we think about, when we picture the afterlife, we realize that God has been pushed to the side in that image. Uh, we, we think about uh, being with family or loved ones rather than initially being with God. But the picture that we have of the afterlife needs to come from the Bible. And the biblical picture is actually the opposite. It's of the whole cosmos filled now with the presence of God, that there's no place where there's a shadow apart from the light of God's presence. There's nowhere that we would be separated from the Lord. So is getting to heaven, that thing, is that the prize? No. And if that's not the prize, then what is the prize that Paul is talking about? The prize here is Christ himself. Christ himself is the prize. Christ is the prize. It's this total connection with the Lord. He's not a means to the prize. He is the prize. He's not just our ticket. He is the gift. So true communion with God. And, and the beautiful part is we are supposed to move toward that now. We actually are invited to begin that journey, to be a part of that now. And that's why Paul says, I strive to know Christ now. I want to begin to know him now. And so what that means actually is that the Christian life of, the, of the, our eternal life begins now. We begin to live into the hereafter now. We live into that communion with God and others now. We're only going to know it really fully then. But we begin now to move into that. And, and that's why, that's the meaning behind when we pray, Lord, your will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. God's kingdom is going to be coming in fullness one day. But we begin to live into that. We experience this foretaste of the kingdom now and move purposely choose to live into that now. So it's already, it's already completed, but it's not yet. Not yet in its fullness, actually. So it's this entering into God's rest. All right, this leads me to my second question. Is the prize that you're looking for something other than God himself? I think if we're going to answer this truthfully, it could be kind of painful. And I have to say that all of us at some point slip into this kind of thinking. It's something, it's a temptation that all of us succumb to at some point. But so rather than having our eyes on God, we can pursue other things. And those could be really good things, actually. Uh, they, can be, uh, they can be really good things. They could be kind of bad things. Uh, maybe, maybe there's things that we could pursue in a faith life that all of us are going to know are not right. Like there's people who would use faith for financial gain or to try to get power somehow. We know those things are wrong. But there's other things that, you know, we'd say, hey, you know, it's okay. These are good and right things. Maybe, maybe we want to use faith to avoid hell. Maybe we want to use faith because we want peace in our life. Maybe we just want connection with people who are kind of positive. We want those kind of things. That's good. We want hope in our daily lives. But even if those things are really good in and of themselves, they aren't the prize. So if we want this year to be a success, we should take it as an opportunity to move forward to win the prize. And i got to tell you, that's something that we can do no matter what life throws at us this year. In 2023, my, my wife Karen was diagnosed with cancer. Maybe you know that. Uh, and in those days... Even in the days when I, before I knew that it would be kind of taken care of and that she would have a clean bill of health several months later, even in those days, God could say to me, I want you to press on toward the goal. But even in those moments of darkness and, and not knowing what's ahead, there, God could say that to me. So in 2024, you may have something difficult ahead of you. But you, even in those days, I want to tell you, you can press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called you heavenward in Christ Jesus. All right, here's here's my challenge for this week. I would like for you to decide that in 2024, you're going to strive to win the the award for most improved. Maybe we should have a little thing at the end of the year. Who's most improved? We can have a prize for that. Uh, I hope I win. Uh, Hey, if you didn't see a lot of improvement in 2023, what could be different this year? Uh, Maybe... Maybe it's a positive habit you need to encourage. Maybe you need to be a part of a small group or include a prayer as a part of your, your daily, weekly rhythm. Uh, maybe there's some sin pattern that's in the way that God wants to deal with. Maybe, maybe it's simply acknowledging that you do need to grow. And that it's not that you've just reached a point of maturity. Maybe you plateaued and to say, you know what, I need to grow this year. And I want to say one possibility is when you think about this, you say, I don't know. I actually don't know. I, I don't know what I would need to do to be more improved. And you know what? Let's begin with prayer. If you, if you would like a partner with that, I would love to meet with you. It's not like I have all the great ideas, but I'm happy to be kind of a, a safe person that you can talk with and pray with. I'll even buy your coffee if you want, uh, or hot cocoa if you want something else. I just want us to think, 
Imagine for a minute what it would feel like if we as Simi Covenant, if we would decide to be most improved, if all of us would say, I'm going to be the person who is most improved this year. I think, I think we would feel really comfortable inviting our friends and families to church because it's not a place where people would ever have to pretend or be high and mighty because we all know. There, there would be this atmosphere of humility, right? Everyone would feel okay about taking whatever steps that they needed to to grow in their faith. And I think all of us would cheer them on while they did. There would probably be more people who'd be willing to mentor others because one of the steps that we can take if we're more mature in the faith, one of the ways to grow is actually to invest in other people as well. There would be people who would be ready to help you further your faith journey. And there would be more of us looking for ways to use our gifts to serve other people, both here in the church and out in the community, doing whatever we're doing. Uh, if, if we're growing in our faith, I think that the community around us would start to feel it. They would see that there are people who are wanting to serve and, and the life that we are leading, the ways that we love one another. So uh, let's do it. Huh? See me cuff? This is a great way for us to start off 2024, a year that we could press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. May it be so. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to help us to will and to act according to your will, to want what you want and to go in that direction. Help us to grow our faith this year. And maybe it starts by even being here this morning. God, thank you to start off 2024 with an atmosphere of wanting to look at your word, respond well to it. Help us, help us to grow this year. God, we pray for our pastor. May that guy grow too, we pray. Uh, and we pray for all of us, that all of us will, will be pursuing you because there's limitless, limitless growth in you. May we be a people who are known for loving you well and loving others well in 2024. We pray in Christ's name, amen.